0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Generosity Freak Show. I'm your host, Brady Josephson, and today we have two very special guests on Zoom, even though we work together every day, Nathan Hill and Courtney Gaines. What's up? Hello.
1: Y'all?
0: Hello. Hello. <clears throat> Hello
1: and welcome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this one's going to be pretty loose because it's Christmas week. But we uh, have a very important subject to talk about today. It's actually the last week and particularly the last three days and even more particularly the last day of the year and how crucial it is for fundraising. So we wanted to whip together one last podcast in this dumpster fire of a year 2020 uh, and hopefully help you finish as strong as you possibly can. So that's what we have on tap today. But before we get into that, as three former adopted Chicagoans, Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to reflect on Arguably the greatest thing of 2020, The Last Dance.
1: and oh, uh, Moment of silence, please. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what What was your highlight or what was your like favorite part? Maybe, Courtney, I'll, I'll start with you.
1: Okay, so truthfully, I've been wanting to watch this, and I really would love just a separate podcast about this topic. <laughs> please, Brady, the people want it. Um, But I finally watched it with my son, <clears throat> and I just got through last week, and I have just been unsettled sense i was a young girl basketball fan then when jordan was huge but man did i not know all of the little intricacies of his career and all of the details of the games and i am so upset that he's not he didn't play past
0: 98 (laughs) like why
1: jerry Krause? that may have been the uh Saddest most terrible thing that happened in sports history besides maybe the um uh, uh,
2: his return like, to the Washington Wizards.
1: Well <laughs> as I was gonna say the Brooklyn Dodgers and the uh New York Giants leaving New York in fifty seven, fifty-eight, but whole nother topic. Uh so yeah, I'm still like unsettled about the fact that he he's at the top of his game, both mentally and physically, and quit. I mean, he had to. Because of course. Anyways, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. And top takeaways are, oh man, Space Jam pickup games while he was, <laughs> what? Like, <Yeah. laughs> mind blown, just like a bunch of boys playing ball. <laughs> you know, like how great is that? And then a real sweet moment was um his security guard, Gus, mm. who he had this relationship with. And he ends up giving... The game-winning ball in 98 to um, just, like, hands it over to him. I was like, oh, mm. wow. Well. Anyway, okay. No, those,
0: are two,
2: those are two good ones. What about you, Nathan? Uh, there are so many things. <clears throat> this is not substantive at all, but I love just every shot of him is just him basically smoking a cigar, sipping whiskey. <laughs> like, he doesn't give a <laughs> riff at all, and it's the best. Uh, I also loved all the the memes that followed of him sitting in his chair smoking yes. a cigar, like just so 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 much good meme content, which is just a blast. Uh, but for me, I mean, I was I was alive <laughs> during the Jordan era, barely, but but oh, yeah, ba- barely barely. <laughs> I was not alive through the entire Jordan era, uh, but I do remember. I mean, being like six or seven, probably during that last the last you know, championship run. I just remember some like flashes, images of like watching the Bulls, watching Jordan with like my uncles and with my grandpa, uh, and it just being a whole a whole big mm. thing, obviously. And I didn't understand you know the depth of it as as a little kid, um, but yeah, being able to fill in some of those those gaps and just see more like the richness of of everything just sort of it gives me even more of an appreciation for jordan and the bulls and that whole Mm -hmm. era and just kind of like deepen some just memories of my my grandpa who passed a couple years ago and it's just so it was it was yeah really excited about like just the goofy stuff about jordan and also just like some really sweet and heartfelt stuff Mm -hmm. just thinking on the you know relationships and family ties and that sort of thing yeah
0: cool
1: what about you brady
0: i i like how he made up uh a comment that a guy never even said, and just like held onto it for years, and used it as motivation to destroy him. Like the the amount of like psychotic, uh, you know, bitterness that he would create in himself as yep. is just is crazy like it's destructive for sure but it's also just
1: (laughs) amazing
0: he's like yeah he never actually said that it's just unreal so anyways if y'all haven't seen the last dance there's still Uh, there's still time it's uh it's a good watch even if you i I think even if you didn't really everyone knows jordan and the bulls to some degree and i think it's just really really uh interesting and fascinating so anyways bulls win (laughs)
1: uh
0: Spoiler alert. But
1: Jordan quits. <laughs> okay, this is a yeah, basketball podcast.
0: No no more last dance talk segment over. We can talk about it at lunch or something like that.
2: All right. Hey, so, NBA season starts tomorrow. We could have that whole conversation. Let's do it.
0: What I do want to talk about is the last week of the year and fundraising, the thing that we actually do for our jobs. So uh, the reason why this is so important is that this is the biggest week of online giving in the entire year. And the biggest day. And it's not Giving Tuesday, although Giving Tuesday is great and was great. And we can talk about that as we need to. But it's really this last week and it's December 31st. So, you know, this is one of the the studies that we've been doing going back a number of years now. And Nathan, you kind of led the charge this year. Um, What did we find in terms of the data in 2019 in terms of as it relates to this last week and last few days of online giving?
2: Yeah, I mean, just a few a few quick highlights. We've we've shared a bunch so far, but um, they're they're good to to remind ourselves of, in uh, particularly because there is so much hype around Giving Tuesday, and just the more that we've we've focused on, you know, how do you bolster your campaign in the last week of the year, the more people I've talked to where that's been like a big sort of epiphany is like, oh, there is a a whole bunch more beyond just Giving Tuesday,
1: yeah.
2: um, and, and obviously people know that like there's a lot of donations that come in at the end of the year, but seeing just the 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 breadth of it is pretty eye-opening for some people. So some of those stats, uh, last year from the organizations we were tracking uh, through Google Analytics and e-commerce data and all that stuff, uh, we saw that 4.3% of online year-end revenue came in on Giving Tuesday, compared to the last day of the year, December 31st, uh, where 15.6% of online year-end revenue came in on the last day of the year. And then if you extrapolate that, look at the whole final week, basically everything after Christmas, Uh, 37% on average of these organizations we were tracking, uh, 37% of online revenue came in during that last week as a whole. So if you had a great Giving Tuesday, you're likely gonna have a way better last week of the year, assuming you put the, excuse me, the effort into it and the focus on it. And and I I just pulled some Quick Giving Tuesday stats uh, from 2020. I hadn't actually looked at them yet. I had seen some things, but I actually looked at their like breakdown report. Anecdotally, I've heard from so many people who just like blew their goal out of the water. I think many, if not all of the clients that we work directly with had that type of a Giving Tuesday. Many of the people that are just reading some of the eBooks and blogs we put out there put some of those practices into, into their efforts this year and like blew their goals out of the water. Like Giving Tuesday was huge. Uh, online giving on Giving Tuesday was up 58% compared to last year, which is crazy. So $808 million came in online in the U.S., compared to 511 million last year. And then in total, they're estimating 2.47 billion online and, and more traditional means, which is just wild and is, is way up compared to last year, even such a, a, a you know, tumultuous year where they're at the beginning of the pandemic where fears about giving and what's gonna happen and all that, but like at least annual giving like that is, is really up. So that should be an encouragement uh, to fundraisers and, and nonprofits that, that this final week of the year has, has some huge potential.
0: So that's some, some high-level kind of aggregate data, but, you know, Courtney, you work hand-in-hand hand and in the weeds with a lot of clients. Is, do you see something similar as it relates to last week in December 31st?
1: Yeah, very, very similar um, trends in the data. We, You know, I always like to, to think about right after Christmas, that last week is really when things have to go into high gear. And even from a messaging perspective, some things that I've noticed um, with organizations is they 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 try to start talking about like goals for 21 in the middle of December. But if you think about people's minds and like what they're processing, they're not ready, quote, ready for 2021 or thinking about 2021. Well, I guess maybe this year, everyone's thinking about, like 2025, but like, you know, they're not like thinking through what's coming up. They're thinking what's in front of them, which is like Christmas usually. Right. <clears throat> and so not until after you get past Christmas should even some of that messaging taken in, into effect of like, hey, like as we look at next year, this is what's coming up and this is why we need you to help fund it, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so that's one thing that I, I am noticing is that it's, it's a little bit of a mixed bag with from a messaging standpoint. And I would encourage people to, um, if they can have, have moved that forward thinking that 2021 messaging post Christmas because of where people's heads are at that time, as far as like, um, giving trends and stuff. I mean, man, those last three days, even the very last day is critical for your, your program. Um, urgency, urgency, urgency is key. And also like frequency. I mean, I would, I would just say, um, you know, like get in their inboxes as much as you can. (laughs) Um, you know, we're doing usually two email sends, um, on the very last day of morning send and an evening send, but because um, you know, what, what did you say, Nathan, like 15% of, of all giving uh, comes in, in those last three days and it was just the last day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. In the last day. Right. And even, even from that perspective in those last hours from like a 6 PM to midnight are, have been so critical for organizations that we work with where we see, this crazy lift in giving and donor conversion on that, on those evening email sends. So.
0: So uh, we're, we're starting to get into some of the things that organizations can do or should yeah. do. And, you know, one of the things we do in the research, we look at the data and say, you know, where does revenue come from? But then, you know, we get emails from hundreds of organizations and try to map that and say, well, what are organizations doing? What are a couple of the highlights from that Nathan And then we'll come back to you, Courtney, in terms of maybe diving in a little bit deeper on like what they should do or what you do with your clients. So what do we see as it relates
2: to email in the last week or the last day in particular? Sure. Uh, You know, just a few things I I, I pulled out. Interesting to look at how many organizations are actually emailing at all. Uh, In years past, we've seen numbers be fairly low, like more like the 50%, at least of the the organizations we're looking at, we're tracking, be more like 50% of organizations emailing this last day. In 2019, uh, our samples changed a little bit. We're a little bit more focused on like online fundraising focus organizations. But we saw that 72% of organizations emailed on the last day of the year, which we like to look at the inverse of that type of stuff because that (laughs) means that 28% did not which is is not an insignificant amount. That's a quarter of organizations that should be more online fundraising focused that chose not to email on the last day of the year, despite how much giving is really at stake. So that's kind of like key lesson number one: is you just, just gotta send an email, um, even if it's bad. Like, <laughs>
1: people can't give if you don't ask people.
2: Right, right. Uh, so that's that's interesting. Uh, Let's see here. And then 13% of all year-end emails, again, that we were tracking in 2019, 13% of total emails were actually sent on the last day of the year. So it's like there's this good percentage of orgs that didn't send it all. And then it's like if you know, then you know. Like if you know there's a lot lot of revenue on the last day, then we're going to send a bunch of emails. Uh, Because if you do the math on that, it's like a couple of emails sent per organization when, when you're actually participating. So... Those that know that there's a lot at stake are really pushing it and trying to take advantage of it. Um, <clears throat> and then just, su- I didn't do this specific analysis this year, but but last year was trying to look at subject lines and how are people trying to stand out in the inbox on that last day. And everybody kind of says the same thing. And it's not necessarily bad because the, the subject lines are like, last chance to give, the deadline's approaching, you know, things that really emphasize urgency and, and the deadline coming up, which is things that we would typically recommend. But then I always just have to ask the question of like, if everybody is saying the same thing at the same time, then how like why should I open any of the fifty emails in my inbox that are all telling me it's the last chance to give? Like, so maybe there's ways to set yourself apart uh, with different types of messaging or a different sender or something like that. So that's what we've seen.
0: Cool. Yeah. No, that's great. So that's kind of like what we see. But Courtney, like, what what do you think we should do, or what do you think organizations should do? You already mentioned a couple emails on the last day. You know, yeah. what does that actually look like? And maybe even in the, the messaging and subject lines, you know, is that yeah. something that we do or or is it worth trying to stand out or is that just trying to be too creative or how do you handle that?
1: Yeah, no, I think Nathan brings up a great point about like, about standing out um, while also being relevant to the time, you know? So, so there's all of that similar message messaging happening in subject lens. Maybe you stand out by actually using personalization. So like Courtney, you're needed right now, or Courtney, you're needed in these final hours, you know? So using, that urgency of, of timeline of the last day, but also my, my name to kind of, you know, let it stand out in my inbox. We know personalization works really well and time and time again have seen it perform, you know, better or best <laughs> out, outside of other subject lines. So um, I think that you could do take just like a different twist on some of the more common subject lines that are used, you know, as, as Nathan was mentioning. For emails itself, you know, I was thinking and about all the organizations that I work with. And I would say in the last three days of the year, I send anywhere for, for a typical organ, organization um, three to four emails in the last three days of the year. And, you know, one of them being on like the 29th or 30th and then two on the 31st. And again, I would say that that's at a minimum. I have a couple of organizations who are sending like three Um, three on the last day, it sounds really aggressive and obnoxious, but it works really well (laughs) for some of those that have, you know, really large, um, file sizes. Um, uh, we do a lot, again, that whole urgency is really what is driving that people's motivation. So what can you do to increase that? Some tactics that we have applied within emails. And I know you guys have talked about this probably in, in a lot of webinars, um, on the podcast is like, adding countdown clocks to emails, which is a little bit like uh, opposite of what we teach and preach about <laughs> human looking emails and having it sound like it's from an actual person. But um, there's a lot of different um, tools and platforms that you can, you know, get these counters and have an animated GIF within your your email to show that, that urgency, that time is running out or that there's hours left. Um, I usually on the last couple of days of the year, it's really about message reinforcement and keeping that short and sweet, um, and doing a very hard, direct call to action. So the last three days is not about like storytelling or communicating impact and reflecting back. It's really about like the critical mission. This is what we need to do. This is why you are needed. Give now. So it's, we call them like, uh, like the the cleanup emails, because they kind of write themselves. <laughs> it's really direct and to the point And it's not a lot of um, fluff or storytelling in them.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's a really good point. Nathan kind of alluded to it earlier is like, you know, we're saying you should sit, send at least two, if not more emails on the last day and like three in the last four. And people might be like, Oh, that's so many emails. But we're also assuming that you've been sending regular communication right. all year, you know, <laughs> that like in our year-end course and stuff, we'd say like, you should be sending at least like eight emails leading up to this. And a lot of those are like impact and reporting, you know, Merry Christmas, uh, yes. Thanksgiving type of thing. Like it's not all about asking. At this point it is, yes. but it's part of the bigger picture. You've had Giving Tuesday, you've had cultivation, you've given people warm wishes, you know what I mean? Yes. And now it's time to like, yeah, just kind of hit the send button. It's like the only time probably in the whole year that we would say like you can actually do these types of things and have it work, but it's contingent on, you've done the legwork, you've done the the kind of groundwork all year long, not just even in November and December. Right. Yep. I think that's a, a key piece for people to and keep in mind.
1: I mean, if people haven't sent anything up to this point, Brady, I'm not sure when this podcast released, but <laughs> we, you know, like you could look at doing um, this weekend, we, you know, after Christmas, we I mean, after Christmas, right as going into the last week of the year, send a cultivation or stewardship email this weekend. Like get on it today and send a value add, no ask, no links to a giving page, nothing, 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 just stewardship cultivation. And then hit them hard in those last few days. I think Mm -hmm. you can still make it work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a great point. Not too late. So we're talking a lot about email, That's because it's by far the number one driver of online giving all year long, but especially this time of year, that we actually have some element of control over. Uh, but obviously, that's not the only place or way that people give, and uh, our websites and donation pages are obviously extremely crucial. So Nathan, maybe looking at some of the, the data again, and maybe like where donations come from, or or what are some trends that we see as it relates to like traffic or website that you know, people kind of need to be aware about. And then maybe Courtney will, will shift over to like, well, what do you do? How can you take advantage of the, the, the traffic sources? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I don't have a ton of, you know, specific uh, data in front of me. Um, but <clears throat> anecdotally, what we, what we typically see as you get into this end of the year, uh, even December as a whole, but especially the last couple of weeks and the last few days, the natural motivation to give is higher. Uh, so you have more people that are, I mean, if you just think about maybe even your own giving practices, as we get to the end of the year, people are thinking about giving. We're talking about who should we give to just as a family? Uh, who do we want to support? And I'm going to go type in their URL, go to their page, and I'm going to give a gift. Maybe I'll go there four times because I'm actually like looking for some more information to justify, you know, do I really? I want to give, but, but do I? I'll go look at maybe like an annual report and things like that and get some more information. So maybe I'll hit somebody's website like four or five times. My motivation to give is high, and then I'm going to make that, that, that donation. Uh, And so email might not be like the primary driver for some people. You're going to see an uptick in more organic search traffic uh, and direct traffic that's going to lead to uh, some more donations. However, email can still be a driver of those traffic sources, which is kind of interesting because, again, if you just think about how you experience like email and especially a more complex decision, you might get an email in your inbox with the prompt to, to give, you'll read it you'll think about it throughout the day. Maybe you need to go chat with a spouse or a partner later and like, hey, I got this email. They're talking about this thing that they're wanting to fund. I think we should give a couple hundred bucks. You have the conversation and then you go Google the name of the organization and you give your gift. So email can still be an influencer even towards the end of the year, even if it doesn't become like the primary thing that, that leads to the gift. So all these channels are influencing each other and to look at them in like isolation, I think is a mistake, but understanding kind of holistically how people engage with them is, is really important. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. Um, you know,
0: and it relates not just to, you know, email versus other channels like organic or search, but even just online offline, you know, like yeah. tons of money will come in offline that's influenced online and vice versa. You can't just be so narrowly focused on the one, you know, channel or source or something. I think, I think what we so ahead, Courtney.
1: I was gonna say to, to Nathan's point too, like people like coming back and revisiting the site, you know, having these conversations, seeing emails. I read. Um, I was doing some reading around urine giving and I read this stat that I thought was fascinating. It was like two thirds of people who are likely to give do no research um, before giving and said they're giving to organizations um, that they're familiar with or maybe influenced by a family or friend. And so, like, that's a great point of like who's in your inbox, <clears throat> maybe what ads are they seeing online. Mm-hmm those are kind of like the the triggers that can cause people to give. So you've got to be in front of them to bring them back to the site. So,
0: Yeah. And just a, a couple of the the data points that we have in our study, organic and paid search for the year in our benchmark, at least it's about 32% of online donations come from organic and paid. And on the last day it goes all the way up to 43%. Right. So like half, almost half of all giving is coming from search. <laughs> so like that's just the data showing what we intuitively know is that people are visiting websites looking to make donations, which isn't normally the case. So it's like wow. higher than ever. So what are some things, Courtney, that uh, you like you do with clients, or some ways to to kind of leverage that yeah. fact of like we know people are more people are coming to look to give. What what do you do? What can we do?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of different tactics you can uh, apply to the website. Obviously, there's like a forced pop-up on the site when someone arrives on the page with a year-end message that can be a direct ask again i think that if we were talking normal times of the year when motivation isn't quite as high you would do a softer ask or a name acquisition but during that last week it is about giving um, and so i think a pop-up is is fitting for that um, an accident 10 pop-up is also a great um idea for desktop users so we know that majority of, of Um, donors are giving on their desktop versus mobile. We see conversion rate almost double to triple um, the conversion rate on desktop devices versus mobile. And so excellent intent, um, catching them before they completely exit your website saying, hey, before you go, did you realize you can do X, Y, and Z make your special year and get here." Um, So catching them in that way. Um, Another thing that we just started doing um, actually a year ago uh, was a homepage takeover, and this again goes back to your stat, Brady, on, You know, was it forty-seven percent coming to the website uh, through search tonight? And we know that the motivation of users on that very last day is to give. In fact, we've done an analysis on a couple of the organizations that we work with, and um, analyzing their patterns on like where they're visiting on the on those pages on those last days. Because what we wanted to do <laughs> was to um, on the very last day of the year instead of showing the homepage when someone comes to it it's actually on um, uh, the donation page so it has copy at the top that kind of acquaints people with where they're at yes this is the organization you had tended to go to's website mm-hmm. but there's an important message you need to know that right now you know this is a critical time for us because of you know insert value proposition <laughs> um, and doing having the form right there on the page and our concern with doing that originally was that people would be trying to get to articles or blogs or whatever other content that is within your site. And what we found is that actually on that last day, um, over half, more than half, I think actually one website had like 72% the one that we were going to test it with um, of their traffic was going to their donation page. So we're like, why are we actually getting in the way of people going to the donation page? Let's just present it for them right there. So what we've done is actually done this homepage redirect showing this donation page when they arrive on the homepage we put parameters in place so that it's not so um, aggressive and overwhelming. So you only see it on your first visit. It's only for people coming to your homepage. So let's say you're reading an article and then you go back to the homepage, you wouldn't see it. Um, so it's, it you know, takes an account for the organic and, and direct traffic. And that was the idea behind it. And then another thing that we added was, um, let's say people are like, man, this is not, this is not what I wanted. I, I want to go to where I was trying to go. We've actually put an exit intent on the page, too, that says, you know, hey, no worries that you don't want to give. Here's some quick links to, you know, maybe their most popular pages on the site. Hmm. So we can then, you know, from a user experience, help them get to the places where they need to go faster. So Hmm. that's like a new tactic that we tested last year. We saw a 24% increase in donor conversion for the organization that we tested it with. We have tested it during high urgency campaigns throughout this past year and um, seeing very similar results. And so we're now applying it to almost uh, the majority of the organizations that we're working with. Um, The other thing I just want to mention outside of website is actually thinking about uh, the traffic that's coming to your website and how to engage them in other channels. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you talked about all of this traffic coming to your site and even in particular in December, so much traffic coming to the site and maybe they haven't given. And so what we have set up as well, like within uh, Facebook or even in Google is like retargeting um, with ads of uh, website visitors. So targeting website visitors within the last 30 days to make a gift. Um, even further, we're able to target people who have quote, like abandoned the cart. Um, so if they've given a gift uh, or they're, they're going to, intended to make a gift, but then they don't actually complete the gift, we can target those people Um, on Facebook. So having very direct asks to those people as well. So again, some thinking about like the motivation and having very specific messaging towards them, like, I know that you're wanting to, you know, support this cause, you're one click away, you know, that kind of messaging helps to bring people back to the site when their intention was maybe to make a gift, but then something caused them to not give. So,
0: Awesome, man, that's a a lot of good stuff. (laughs) Uh, So You know, um, we're just kind of like scratching the surface, although we've talked about a lot of different things from, you know, number of emails and pop-ups. And um, this year we actually created a a full new resource specific to the last week uh, because we know how crucial this is. So we kind of captured some of, you know, the experiments Courtney's talking about and some of the data that Nathan's talked about and created like a a short video as well as a guide, uh, like an ebook. Nathan, where can, can people find out about uh, these resources, if they're listening and
2: like, oh yeah, I got to do this mm-hmm. on the internet, Brady. <laughs> Just Google
1: <laughs> worldwide web. <yeah.
2: laughs> uh, no, you can go to deckstuffer. dot slash last week, and that'll take you to a landing page where you can download the uh, ebook. From that ebook, there's also a link out to the uh, more of a blog post version of it that's got a video you can watch to dive a little bit deeper too. But make sure you get the ebook first, and then you can dive a little bit deeper. Uh, through Brady's video to dive into some of the more specifics of you know copywriting and, and stuff on your pages and all that, all that good stuff.
0: Awesome. Well, hopefully people can check that out. Uh, before I let you go, we're going to talk about Chicago Bulls again. No, just kidding. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> one, one thing that we've been doing more on the pod is some rapid fire questions. So I have some, uh, a Christmas edition of rapid fire questions for both of y'all. So uh, maybe Courtney, you answer first and then Nathan will, will follow. Um, quick answers, not long discussion. Here we go. Favorite Christmas movie?
1: Uh, I can't choose one, so uh, let's go with the holiday, lovey, seppy, girly movie, um, and then the Home Alones and Santa Claus. One, the first Santa Claus. After that, it, it gets weird. It gets weird. Santa <laughs> like a robot? Is that right? Yeah. So no, nothing after that.
0: Okay, so I said one, and you
2: chose like six. <laughs> uh, Nathan, I'll choose two. Number one, the Frosty the Snowman animated special. It's amazing. Watch it every year, uh, even before children. So it's just great. <laughs> uh, and then I'd have to second Santa Claus. I didn't really watch it growing up, uh, but Megan, my wife, watches uh, watched it growing up. And so then I've watched it as an adult and, I'm like, this is super fun. It's just a great little picture of, like, the North Pole. And the, I don't know. It's really fun. Um, uh, I like it.
0: All right. Might have to go back and watch that one. But the correct answer is Love Actually. All right. One tool you use and recommend for running last week of the year campaigns. You kind of alluded to this earlier, but what's a tool that people can use if they're trying to do some of this?
1: Cool. Uh, MotionMailApp.com is a platform that we use to um, create uh, countdown clocks for email and websites. So MotionMailApp would be definitely one of those tools.
2: Nathan? I found myself in Google Optimize using the personalization tool a bunch. Like, this is the first time we've done a little bit more of a specific focus around that last week with our, our own marketing. And I've used personalization a bunch to do some cool stuff. So you can check that out.
0: Awesome. Uh, another one is Unbounce. Use it a lot for stickies and pop ups, not just landing pages. Favorite Christmas song, Courtney?
1: Well, I have two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> classic Courtney
1: <laughs> all right Uh very popular A Holy Night uh, specifically Celine Dion but mm. maybe not quite as popular but should gain in popularity and Dion's top of the list which is Tennessee Christmas by Amy Grant
0: mmm
2: uh, don't, <laughs> don't
1: even challenge it
2: <laughs> okay love well, okay. it Nathan um <clears throat> I, I, can i have two also yeah fine <laughs> number one is this so i i really like oh christmas tree but i like nat king cole's oh tannenbaum i just tannenbaum just sounds nicer than christmas tree <laughs> when you're singing it with too many hard vowels so then i have this like hybrid version of like the german and the english that plays in my head so that's probably my favorite christmas song There's a mashup if you will yep. yeah yeah and the one that only exists in, in my brain nathan's personal mashup <laughs> Uh, and then the second, uh, because my, my oldest daughter is very into unicorns, we've listened to Christmas Unicorn from Sufjan Stevens a whole bunch of times. It's huh. like 12 minutes long, and he screams I'm the Christmas Unicorn at you for a, a long time. It's great.
1: Huh.
2: It doesn't sound great, but maybe oh,
1: it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. Maybe I'll check
2: it out. Sounds okay.
1: interesting, Nathan. <laughs> well,
0: it sounds I'll, what? Uh, interesting? It's better yeah, than interesting. interesting. I'll go real off book. I'll Be Home for Christmas by Martin Sexton.
1: Mm. Like,
0: unreal it to me that's like when you hear the first few bars it's like it's christmas
1: uh, that's <laughs> uh, what it is i have just one more i'm sorry i have to i just <laughs> thought of it <laughs> okay so uh sleigh ride but remixed if you haven't experienced any kind of remix holiday music just try it specifically if you're out in your driveway playing basketball with your kids. It's a great
0: little. <laughs> it's a very niche uh, use case for the song, but if that's you.
1: <laughs> it's the with basketball, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's
0: great. Um, all right, what's an organization that you think does really good online fundraising that people should maybe check out or look at? I know it's a hard question to answer, especially for you, Courtney, but it could be a uh, client of yours that you think. Yeah, really no, I mean,
1: I think, um, I give to a decent amount of organizations throughout the year, but I do a little bit of testing on my own during year end to see what people are doing and see what the responses are. And honestly, I don't, I can't name a specific one, but I will tell you a tactic that they're doing. There's a lot of small ones that I've been giving to right now, and they don't have this like big robust system, but I think that the things that they do are so critical to what we could be applying to our larger programs. And I got a personal email, like, three minutes after I made my gift and they, call, it was, I knew this person was sitting at their computer watching the gift come in. And the message that I received from them was incredibly heartfelt. Um, and then they even went on to say, Hey, I know that you have kids. I want to give you this membership to this program that we have for an entire year. Cause I'm just so grateful for your gift." Like, Oh, Talk about blown away and how I have been just like preaching to like, go check these people out to all my friends because it's fantastic. So I think that those little tactics of like personalization, truly loving their donors, whoever those people are, those are the the nonprofits to be watching. But a lot of smaller ones are doing it well.
0: Cool. Nathan, does uh,
2: organization jump out to you? I guess I, I'm similar to Courtney here. There's not one that jumps out as like, you've got to check out what these people are doing because it's crazy. Um, but two, I guess, maybe shout outs. Uh, there is an a organization in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's a pregnancy resource center called the Hope Center. Uh, and I've been emailing with somebody there for for a little bit. Uh, they're you know, trying some new stuff on Giving Tuesday. There's a small organization Um, But they're one of these organizations that like had kind of some small goals comparatively, but then blew it out of the water. It was like like 500% past the goal, like totally exceeded expectations just because they said like, you know what, we're going to try some new things. We're going to get serious about online fundraising and implementing just some of these like proven practices and saw just huge results from it. So um, again you're not going to go to their website and be like totally blown away because they're doing like this crazy stuff with analytics and personalization uh but the fact that they just kind of step beyond maybe the fear that's often there of stepping into online fundraising to so just try something uh and saw huge results, I think that that in itself uh speaks volumes so shout out to them
0: cool I'll add to Sierra Club I think uh a lot of environment organizations are really good in our studies, but Sierra club's the one that I always kind of check out to see like well what are they doing? And then a smaller one that I think's doing some really cool like personal stuff is uh, the adventure project in the uh they have a they use fundraise up as a donation tool, which is pretty different and unique, but it's it's pretty slick, so it's interesting. All right, uh favorite Christmas present you've ever received.
1: All right, I got two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Expect nothing less at this point. Okay. The slowest uh, rapid fire session ever.
1: <laughs> one from my childhood and one from adulthood. See? Uh childhood. I got the original Nintendo uh, for my grandparents mm. but in like maybe 88, 1988, probably maybe around there. And my parents would never, ever, ever, ever buy us anything cool like that. It was always like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, bless their hearts. I love them to death. They just would never spend like a lot of money on on big gifts like that. And grandma and grandpa just came out one year and gave this to us. And mom and dad were like, uh, excuse
2: <laughs>
1: um, Uh, So that was awesome. And then um, I love sentimental, heartfelt um, gifts and my sister does too. So I'm grateful for that. She, um, before my grandparents passed away, had their signature, like their name. um, And she got it as like a script and she stitched this gosh this is really like really sentimental she stitched this uh an old handkerchiefs of my grandfather's with Mm. his name on it and put it in a frame with their wedding picture um in a in the frame that my grandma had their wedding picture in Uh, oh it was just like wow gut-wrenching and i did nothing else for years so a lot of like emotional levels to
0: that too it's not just one thing <laughs> yeah. it's like the stitch in the handkerchief yes. in the frame
1: yes, yes. yes. holy smokes it was, it was a lot and amazing oh, so.
2: wow that's cool nathan i actually just have one <clears throat> uh and it's also a nintendo but my era was nintendo 64 <laughs> so we we had it we had an snes uh and then I, I don't know how old it was probably five um yeah it's christmas morning walk out there got an N64 already set up, played Super Mario 64 all day, got some mm-hmm. Super Smash going. It was, Amazing. it was the best. And then that like defined the rest of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, I think I had a
0: bunch, but one that, for whatever reason, stands out. I got the Dr. Dreadful Food Lab when I was like <laughs> six or seven. And I just remember being – I wanted it so bad, and I got it, and I was so excited – and it was—it sucked. It was the worst. <laughs> it was like those things with like prefabricated ingredients and then you yeah. make like edible worms and then like bubbles yeah. up and it was like – it tasted gross. It was a mess. I don't think I used it after like Christmas Day because we open on Christmas Eve. It was like the highest of highs and the lowest uh-huh. of lows like immediately. Oh but I'm, it's always linked in my brain. All right. <laughs> and then back to the, the subject of the day. We've already talked about a bunch of different things. But if you could call like one – Courtney, I'm talking to you – one – uh, piece of advice for people here in the last week, like do this. If you're not doing this, make sure you do this. Uh, what would that be?
1: Oh, this is one. I didn't actually even answer on a piece of paper. <laughs> I was like, there's so many. Uh, ask. <laughs> I mean, Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I say that because of the stats that Nathan gave. And I have, a yeah. that there's a lot of people that are, are concerned about, asking and the frequency to ask. And I would say, don't be afraid, ask, 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 and it's okay. You know? So.
2: Great. Nathan? Yeah. I mean, even just throwing back to the organization, I give a shout out to, I mean, I, I think the the best piece of advice I can give is like, just, I, I know it's close to the end of the year. You can look at like, we've only got a few days left. Like, how do I do anything new at this point? But like, try one new thing, don't, don't try to do all 15 things that are, like, in the ebook at this point. But, like, just try one new thing, and then if you can, test something. Because mm. you're going to learn something. It's going to help you do better next year, even throughout the year, not just at year end. So just take that step forward and try one new thing. You're going to learn something. Hopefully, you'll see a positive result, uh, and you'll start moving the ball forward. Great. All right. I'll go for
0: something that moves homepage traffic to a donation page quicker. Mm. Could be a takeover. Could be a pop-up could be a homepage ad, could be something, but know that so many people are visiting your homepage looking to give, how do you make it as easy as possible for them to get there?
1: I think sorry. I know, I know, I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Courtney.
1: I just need to say that one thing that we forget about is thanking people after that last day. And so I know that we're talking about the very last week and how to increase donor conversion. Um, but uh, we cannot forget to thank them after year end and thank them well, um, because then you're back, you're stuck back in this cycle of just asking, and right. this could be the start of a really great cultivation stewardship <laughs> plan for you is thinking through how can we think and, uh, show impact to these donors from year end. So.
0: Awesome. Great reminder. Let's end there. Thank you both for jumping on in this, uh, quickly whipped together podcast and uh, sharing some of your, your expertise research and data. And again, if you're listening and you want to find out more, you can go to nextafter.com slash last week, one word slash last week, and you can find the guide and other resources there. So with that, thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Courtney. And thank you all for listening. Have a great Christmas and
2: good luck the rest of the year. Are we going to end with our three part? We wish you Merry Christmas vocal trio. We practice. Hmm, wait, what? Uh, I'm alto,
1: so I don't know if we have a are you tenor? We'll do
2: it we'll do it next year. We'll practice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sounds good.
1: Okay. Bye.
0: Hi again, this is Brady, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to listen to all future episodes or maybe go back and listen to some of our past episodes, you can do so by going to generosityfreakshow.com, or you can search The Generosity Freak Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, pretty much wherever you listen to your pods. And uh, if you have any questions or a suggested guest or maybe you yourself would like to come on the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at podcast at That's podcast at nextafter.com. And if you want to find out more about this vision to unleash the most generous generation in the history of the world and what we're doing at Next After in terms of research, resources, and training, you can find out more at nextafter.com. That's nextafter.com. Thank you very much for listening. And finally, I have to say thank you to Nathan Hill, our producer and mixologist. This would not be possible without him. So thank you, Nathan. And thank you once again for listening.